Anybody a first timer with us this morning? Just wave your hand at me. Don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you. Charlie is. It's Charlie Wallace, everybody. Can you stand up and do jumping jacks? Just kidding. He's not a first timer. <laughs> well, amen. The king has come. Amen. This is Palm Sunday, isn't it? Hosanna. We just proclaim that he is king. And you know what? The enemy has been defeated. And uh, I just want to give glory to God that after multiple miscarriages and difficulty conceiving and a very long labor <laughs> C-section, that Grace Wicker Fulton, if you're new, Byron and Becky's daughter and son-in-law, had a baby boy this week. Thank you, Jesus! Woo! Congratulations, Byron. Grandchild number four, and he wants us, him and Becky want to thank everybody for praying. And uh, that boy's got a mighty calling on his life. The Lord is just so good. We're gonna, we're gonna. Um, I got a slew of words of knowledge that my school, of the spirit, school, school, of the supernatural students texted this week, and so in just a few minutes, we're gonna call those out. Jen, we'll come back out and release some more healing. Um, I did want to say too, just a powerful time. In the healing rooms this week on Thursday, uh, myself and Palmer and this um, the spirit-filled Catholic lady that is a part of our healing rooms ministry named Maureen and uh, Linda Dyke. We just we were praying for these folks, and you know God just surprises me sometimes. You know, it, it, besides what manifested in that place was just the weighty glory of God in there. And this lady um, came in who is, was seven years old in a wheelchair, and she, when she was seven years old, she got polio, polio virus. And uh, six months later, the vaccine came out. And uh, so it had you know, degenerated throughout the years. Her left leg was completely paralyzed. Her right knee needed to be replaced. It was so worn out from, I guess, because it wasn't, her right leg wasn't paralyzed. But in any case, we just began to pray. And Palmer can tell you, I mean, the Holy Spirit came in such a powerful way. She just, I kept asking her how she felt, and she goes, I've just never felt anything like this. I just... Well, is there any pain in your right knee? All the pain's gone. I've never felt anything like this. And <laughs> Maureen and I had laid hands on her left leg that was completely paralyzed. And I began to feel some, some, something moving in, in her left leg. And, you know, she didn't jump out of the wheelchair and start running around the room or anything like that yet. <laughs> but the experience of it all was just absolutely ph phenomenal. And then we prayed for um, Eddie and and somebody else after that. And uh, it was just a powerful time. And I just really want to give glory to God that when we gather or when you're at home, and like Byron was saying, when we begin to just worship the Lord and just invite the kingdom of heaven to come, He does. You know, He does. And so uh, on this Sunday, on this Palm Sunday, I want you to turn in your Bible or tap on your smart device. We've got to... Start phrasing that differently in the time we live in. <laughs> to John 17. And let's see, I got 15 minutes. Okay. Short but amazing, Marlon. Short but amazing. I'm just going to read the scripture. 
and point out four things about it in a brief amount of time here. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. (laughs) Have any of you ever uh, been praying for a family member? Or praying for anybody for that matter. And you felt like your ordinary prayer went from ordinary to extraordinary. In other words, an anointing came on you as you're praying. Raise your hand if you've ever experienced that. Well, on Thursday of this Passion Week, the day prior to Jesus' execution, I guess, Jesus prays a prayer. And if you're not careful, you can read it in a very ordinary way. You know, it seems a little bit ordinary, read through a kind of a religious lens or something. But when you really read it through a Holy Spirit lens, there's a power that comes on it. There's a power that's released. And the cool thing about it is, He's praying it for you (laughs) and for me. Think about that. If Jesus is praying a prayer for you and you know what it says, do you want to know about it? Yeah, I want to know what is what is he praying for me? In fact, besides what we're going to read, did you know Jesus is interceding on your behalf before the Father? He's interceding on your behalf. He's praying for us in a sense. Out of his finished work, which is even better, he's praying for you and I. But in John 17, he records this prayer. We're going to read it. It's John 17:20. Before we read it, let me say this. I would encourage you this week to meditate upon this passage, John 17. Jesus prays first for himself, then for his disciples, and then this one that we're getting ready to read for all Christians. In addition, I believe that John 14 through 17, those four chapters, 14 through 17, I believe those chapters are the, the hinge of the New Testament. I mean, go, you know, we've been, we studied this some in our, our School of the Supernatural. When you look at those scripts, you just see, you find everything in there. Um, I probably of the most importance, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and His role. We're going to see a little bit of that in here. So really consider doing that. I think it will really bless you. John seventeen twenty through 26. I'm going to read the, the seven verses and then make four points about them. Father, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I've known you. And these have known that you sent me. 
And I have declared to them your name and will declare it. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You know, I think what Jesus is praying is the greatest kingdom prayer. Because when you break this down, what you see is Jesus is basically saying, Daddy, release the kingdom. Release the kingdom. Release the kingdom in every aspect, in every dimension of these friends of mine's life, including you sitting here this this, um, Palm Sunday. Jesus was praying this prayer over you 2,000 plus years ago. And there's four key things here that I want to point out. Number one is our union with Christ and with the church. Number two, the glory. What else can you say? The glory. It says it all. The glory of God, which you'll know, he says, I want to share with them. The glory you've given me, give to these also, Father. What does that mean? Something good. good. Third, seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's the kingdom, isn't it? And fourth and last, most important, the preeminence of love. Father, I pray that the love of God. Woo. (laughs) The love of God. The world is in desperate need of the love of God. We're surrounded by the love of God. We have the love of God. So you see, you can go from this John 17, all in, you know, Paul constantly, let the love of God richly dwell. And 1 John, same author of this book, all about the love and the light of God, the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter, let even all your spiritual gifts be done through the love of the Father. All right, let's go back to number one, the union with Christ. He said, I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through the word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Jesus continually referred to this fact, didn't he? That the secret to his life and all of his ministry was that he and the Father were one, that they were inseparable. Of course, we know that doctrinally as the Trinity, but he seems to be praying, I believe he's also praying, that we would find the same co-union with Christ. This co-laboring with God, that we are in him. And how many people were here for Randall Worley a few weeks ago? Remember when he was talking about a renewed view of our relationship to the Father? And one of the things that he kept emphasizing in there was how we have Daddy's DNA. You know, we are of his seed. His very DNA is a part of our DNA strands, that divine DNA. Not that we're divine, but the divine resides in us, right? The Christ in us. And uh, part of that is, uh, oh shoot, I just lost my train of thought there. <laughs> That's all right. Let me, let me look at this scripture here in John 16. He says, uh, I still have many things to say to you. So this is backing up the chapter before, also in these same four chapter passages. I still have many things to say to you, Jesus said to the people, which is the most frustrating verse in the Bible, I think. <laughs> but you cannot bear them now. Byron came to me one time. He says, Matthew, I've got a word for you. I'm like, awesome. Tell me what it is. He's like, I'll tell you later. And he, and he walked away. Yeah, I'm telling on you, Byron. Literally, it was three weeks. <laughs> three weeks later, I think he emailed me the word. 
And I just nicely said, Byron, if you got a word for me, don't tell me you have a word for me unless you're going to give it to me then. You know, that's a little frustrating. Well, in essence, he was just following Jesus. Way to go, Byron. Because Jesus did the same thing. He goes, I've got many things to say to you, but you can't bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So when we encounter the Holy Spirit, we find our co-union with Christ. Because he said he'll tell you things about me that I can't even explain to you right now. It's a union with Christ. Um, there's also this Colossians 2.9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought. Everybody say you. Or me. I've been brought into the fullness. He's the head over every power, over every authority. Number two, the glory. My favorite topic. Jesus said in the, in the middle of that passage we read, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. The glory, the presence of God. He desires to share that same glory. Now the glory can be defined as the majesty of God. And that's probably the traditional understanding of the glory of God. And that's a true understanding of the glory of God. But it's also the manifestation of the presence of God that we experience in that healing room. We experience here this morning. We experience on a regular basis and is available in our daily lives. Despite the earthly frustrations. Amen? <laughs> despite the challenges. Despite how many people are just worn out. Despite any fatigue, any disappointments, any loss, the glory of God has been made available through the cross, through Christ. And He prayed that you could share in that. That you can share in that glory. Don't have time to really go here, but 2 Corinthians 3.18, I'll just read that one verse. But we all with unveiled face... Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. <clears throat> I mean, think about that. You look in the mirror every morning, right? At least I should have. I should have looked in the mirror. <laughs> you look in the mirror every morning, hopefully. Let's think about that. We're looking in the mirror, beholding the glory. And we share in that. It's like when we look at that mirror image, the reflection of Christ shines back onto us and radiates so that even the world out there can see the light of Christ that's literally shining on us. It's Yes, true, it's shining through our character. That's the traditional understanding. But I'm here to submit to you that even spiritually, there is an intertwining with the physical realm of a light, of a light of Christ. John talked a lot about this. Just read the books that he wrote. There's a light that comes upon you. It's the light of Christ upon your life. How many people have ever seen, even with your spiritual eyes, that light? You know what I'm talking about. I pray for those of you who haven't, that God to open your eyes to see. There's great power. There's great um, a release of the kingdom through the light of God. 
I remember back in 2006, um, most, a, a lot of you come to this church after 2006. So I want to, I love church history, especially the last 150 years or so. But I'm going to just for about a minute talk about our church history. <laughs> yeah, seven years ago, recent church history. Remember in 2006, the women of the church went on their annual Fall Mountain Retreat and the Holy Ghost showed up and they hit the floor and never really got up. <laughs> That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not too much. The weighty glory of God entered the room. The women got so intoxicated and filled with the Holy Spirit that it just forever changed them. And then an even more unusual thing happened. Because, you know, sometimes retreats impact you like that. You go on a retreat, God just moves powerfully or whatever. And the hard thing, or a conference, and the hard thing, you come home and then it's like business as usual. You know, like, oh. But this time, the ladies came home from the retreat and it hit the whole church. And for the next three to four years, we just went through this season of, I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> the river of God flowing. It's a spiritual river that's real in the spiritual sense that even impacts the, the physical um, surroundings around us. But what I wanted to say is I remember when that began, I was having a difficult time personally. I wasn't having a difficult time liking it. I was having a difficult time getting into it. Does that make sense? I just wasn't feeling that thing in my bubble up, bubbling up in me. And, and so I, I got a little frustrated somewhat, but I just decided, you know what? Come on, Lord, you're going to do this thing. And I'll never forget, we were sitting with the um, pastors and elders in this prayer room right back here. And all of a sudden, I don't think we were praying or anything, but all of a sudden I felt this thing just here. I think the location of your spirit or your belly, if you want to call it that. I just felt this thing, let's just like a groaning. You know, Romans speaks of these groans of the spirit. You know, it's almost as if giving birth or something, but I'm not going to go that far. But anyway, this thing, and I just fell to my face on the floor. And it went on for what seemed like a really, I don't know how long a period of time it actually was. And I know for me, that thing just continues to well up inside of me. I felt it this morning. In recent years, it hasn't been quite as strong as it was four years ago. But, there's, but when, when the Lord was blowing on us this morning, that's what He's blowing on us, those embers inside your spirit. So even if you've never experienced anything like that before, or you've been at River Life since after that season, I just want to impart to you a hunger in your heart that there's something more. There's something, I, I told the students on Wednesday night, this isn't downplaying anything that we're experiencing now or have experienced, but there, you were born for more than this. There, there's something more than this. I, I just have a real sense, I have not yet reached my destiny and neither have you. You know, we haven't reached the place, River Life, as a church that we're called to go. There's more. We've just tasted and seen the glory of the Lord in a real sense. And that's a divine problem. Because we're ruined for anything less. 
And I, I feel like we tasted maybe just a chunk off the, the, the whole entirety of glory. There's much more glory to be revealed. But this is a spiritual reality that it's more real than looking at each other here or touching this podium. It's more real. It's the most real thing there is. And that's where, you know, like what the Lord was saying through Byron, having that Michael spirit, to that keeps us back. Let's not make that mistake. Lord, we embrace the glory. We go after the glory. We pursue your glory. Why? Because you prayed and said, Father, give them the same glory that I have. Let it be released in my church, God, because the world is going to see through the glory of God a manifestation of the power of the King's rule on the earth. Because if you'll notice, I don't have time to go back there. But what the glory that is shared does is it brings us into co-union with God and it brings the church with each other. You remember how much you love people in the glory? You know how you could just, you might have just had an argument with your friend or your wife or something. The glory shows up. You're like, oh my gosh, I love you. In a very emotional, in an emotional example, that's a real example of the unity that it brings among the body of Christ here on the earth. We've got to have that because then the power resides in the unity. And that's the first part, the union with Christ and one another. The power resides in order for the miracles and the healing and the salvation and, and, and the, the, um, the conquering of lack, all that to be released through us and out of us. I mean, in us and through us, I should say. All right, how am I doing? 12.01. All right, number three, seated in heavenly places. How many people like that one? I've said this before, but many people weren't here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this one another shot. He says, Father, in verse 24 of John 17, I know I'm kind of jumping around. I desire that they also, he's praying for believers, whom you have given me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me may be with me where I am. The traditional understanding of this is Jesus is praying that we'll be in heaven, right? That's where he is. He is seen at the right hand of the Father. We'll be in heaven. But let me ask you a question. Why would God the Son need to ask God the Father that Christians would go to heaven when they die? Isn't that kind of already a done deal? <laughs> so that can't be what, this, what he's praying I would submit to you that what Jesus is praying is he's asking the Father that you would have a revelation of Ephesians 2, 6. You would have a revelation of Ephesians 2. Let's read that. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By, by grace you've been saved. Everybody say it's by grace. All this is by grace. Let's put that in the footnotes. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the age to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I know we talk about this a lot in this church. But it's in this passage Jesus was praying for you. That your eyes would be open, that you could see spiritually how the reality, the most real thing of your life is if you're a Christian, 
if you've called upon the name of Jesus and accepted His blood sacrifice, then you're already in heaven in a sense. You're already spiritually seated from that position. Bird's eye view. You're soaring with the eagles. You're seeing everything down here from a different perspective than the way that the world is seeing it. They're pecking around in the dirt with their head like chickens. We should be soaring like eagles because we're seeing, oh my God. There's so much more. Oh my God, even these trials, even these temptations, even this loss, even this disappointments, there's a far greater glory that we're achieving. It's the glory of Christ. He's praying, let my people see this, Father. Let them have a revelation that even while they live their 70 plus years or their their 80, 90 years, that they would understand they're already seated with me in heavenly places. If you read Ephesians, Paul goes on to explain. You sit with Christ in heavenly places, then you walk with Him, and then you can stand against the schemes of the evil one. Isn't that right? Last one to wrap it up. Number four, the preeminence of love. He says, I declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I, I in them. Paul says in Colossians 3, 14, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond, speaks of unity, the bond of perfection, or the bond of maturity. That the world might know, the world might know the love of the Father through the love of the church. Amen. How many people really want that? Why don't you just stand here with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus, that you prayed for me. <laughs> I had a, a mama. I had a. I have a mom who prayed for me when I was lost. Mom, if you're listening, thank you so much for doing that. How many people had a praying mama? You know, and and I went my own way, but my mom never stopped praying. She never stopped believing and knowing she was seated with Christ, that she could speak things that are not as though they were. And real power got released into my life. And a miracle happened when I was 19 years old. I mean, just think about it, church. In the same way, even greater, Jesus, fully man and fully God, but He's fully man. He prayed for you. He prayed for these four things, that they would be real in your life, that not just theology, but they would release an, uh, an encounter with the Father in your life. And God, we just ask you to do that. Why don't you just raise your hands to Papa? Ask him to just pick you up this morning. You know, my little girl, she just comes and she won't let me put her down. If I do, she just raises her hands. So you're just raising your hands to Daddy God and saying, pick me up, Daddy. I need you to hold me this morning. Oh yeah, I can feel your heartbeat, Papa. I can feel your heartbeat. Can you feel the, His breath on the back of your neck? <sighs> Breathe on us, Daddy. Release all the fullness of the power of the Father into our lives. The power of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. You know, one thing that the Lord's really been doing with me and 
really is a passion. And I was telling Matthew, because, you know, it's talking about the unity. And I really see that that's something the Lord has done in our church. He has brought real unity. But the unity with the Holy Spirit, you know, that that, that, that would be, I just feel like the Lord's been challenging me. And I want to challenge you guys, you know, just really that the Lord wants us to really go deeper in our friendship with the Holy Spirit. Friendship with the Holy Spirit. I've been laughing with Matthew saying, there's this person I follow on Instagram, and she always puts hashtag my real life. And then she'll take pictures of, you know, uh, big loads of laundry piled up on the floor and dirty dishes piled up in the middle of the, the sink. And, you know, big loads of toys that she's trying to pick up, you know, and stuff. And I told Matthew, I said, that is the place that the Lord wants to invade is where we say, hashtag my real life, Holy Spirit come, you know, is that the Lord really wants us to have, he wants to have a friendship, us to have a friendship with our Holy Spirit where we are experiencing the glory, the power, the presence, worship, praise, just that communion with the presence in the midst of our daily life. It's really, it's, it's, heaven wants to invade your everyday life. You know, there's things in your everyday life that you need answers to. Well, it's in his presence. It's in the middle of the rough moments. You know, when, when you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do, but it's, it's saying, going to the Lord. You know, I had this moment where I just had to start speaking in tongues because I had a moment right then where I needed to know what to do and I did not need to explode and go down the emotional side of what was wanting to come out. I was wanting the Holy Spirit up in that moment the same way I've experienced Him in worship. And I just started to to speak in tongues. And I'm telling you, He came in, and without me realizing it, He brought peace, and He released what I needed for that moment. And that's where the Lord is wanting, that unity, that unity with Him, the unity with the Father, friendship with the Holy Spirit, His love. His love, that love that He really wants us to experience. He wants that to be in and through us. So I just want to say, let's just offer ourselves up to the Lord and say, Lord, we're asking you for a deeper level of friendship with you, Holy Spirit. Deeper levels of friendship that you would reveal in us. You would release more of your love, more of your peace, more of your joy. Lord God, in the middle of our our real life, Lord God, in the midst of it all, Lord, that you would be there, Lord, and that you would guide us, you would come with your power, your glory, fresh encounters in the midst, Lord, that you would just come in with your joy and your peace, Lord God, and release victory in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, if you're worn out this morning, you're not feeling it. Just receive the grace of God. Because honestly, some, a lot of times when we gather, we get, all, you know, the people, we get all hyped up and we talk and we're excited and everything. But hey, listen, <laughs> I understand finding God in the midst of the storm at the same time or in the midst of weariness. It's not dependent upon our emotion. 
or the strength of our flesh. So just, I just felt like that was somebody in here. Just receive the grace of God. All you have to do is just say yes. Amen. You know, just, if you don't even have strength to say yes, just say it in, in your spirit. You know? Just whatever your situation, God's going to reach you. There's fresh encounters being released in this season. So on this Palm Sunday, let's just conclude with letting the king's domain be released over sickness. Amen. So we got a slew of words of knowledge. Jen, Brian, if you guys want to come up here, SOS students, if you guys want to come up here and pray. The first one is um, any, somebody that's been struggling with a sore throat. If that's you, come on up here and let the Lord touch you. Um, I also got hip, somebody needing their hip touched, and a heel. Uh, somebody's heel that needs to be touched. Um, someone with a leg injury, possibly even a broken leg or a fracture in your leg. Come on down here. Um, somebody with a skin, a skin problem. Problem with your skin, perhaps on the hand. Um, and then uh, a foot issue, right foot neuropathy. Okay, neuropathy in the feet. Come on up here. The Lord's healing your feet. Tendinitis in the knee, and then also got from somebody else in the church, collarbone. Somebody with a collarbone that needs healing. Just come on up here and uh, we'll just see God touch these situations. Also, if you're just, maybe you're visiting or whatever, you just need God, you need prayer individually, feel free to come on up here and there will be somebody who will just uh, pray for you as well. So, be blessed. Enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the week. Let's celebrate resurrection power. Amen.